right. Can we give it up for Pete, our guest bass player this morning? Come on, he's just leaving there. <laughs> oh, he will have hated that. See you, Pete. Thank you. Well, anyway, good morning, folks. How are we? Good. All right. Well, my name's James. I'm part of the team here at the Vineyard. And as Laura has already said, if you're a guest or a visitor here this morning, we hope that you feel super, super welcome and at ease. This is a place where lives are being changed and transformed all the time, a place where life and hope and love is being found. And you know, we say this every week, unapologetically, that we don't have a vision for a church, but we have a dream for a city, and that is that the life of Jesus would come to every person and to every part. But as much as we're passionate about seeing our city come to life, we do want to acknowledge at this time across both this gathering and our 945, we are growing all the time. And for some of us, you know, we're struggling to keep up with knowing everybody. But for some of us, we're experiencing the complete opposite, right? We're struggling to connect with just about anyone. And we understand that this is a big room and it's easy to feel disconnected, potentially isolated and alone. But this morning we have some exciting news for you and that is that tribes are coming back next week. Come on. We have over 150 people signed up to tribes this term, which means our tribes are pretty full. So I want to highlight and draw your attention to a couple of new tribes that are taking place this term. The first one I want to draw your attention to is the Bradley and the Craig tribe. They, uh, you, can't, you can't get around these guys and not end up in tears of laughter. They are so funny and they passionately love Jesus. Please don't let the drum bow title put you off the tribe. It is still really close to the Lisbon City Centre and Lambeg area. And if you are free on a Tuesday night and you haven't yet signed up to a tribe, please check it out online. We'd love you to engage and connect there. Secondly, I want to draw your attention to the McConville and Hall tribe that's happening in Upper Lurgan, Moira. And uh, we, they're meeting on a fortnightly basis on a Wednesday. Um, these guys really do love Jesus. They are uh, in so attentive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life, and they are just great people to be around. So if you're in the Moira area, um, Mays, Dollingstown, anywhere in and around there, please check that tribe out. And then finally, if you're here this morning and you're like, James, do you know what? I can't connect with any tribes in the evenings. I'm busy every evening. Well, guess what? We have thought about you. We have a tribe happening on a morning, and it's on a Tuesday, and it's being led by the wonderful Julie Hoey and Debbie Asink. So if you want to check that out for free in the morning, please go online at lagonvalleyvineyard.com forward slash tribes, and all the relevant information um, for tribes will be there. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and give them a poke and ask them, what tribe are you going to? All right, all right, all right. So... 
Some of you guys are looking at me puzzled still, um, maybe asking the question, what is a tribe if you're new to us? Um, that maybe is a kind of weird idea. Um, let, let me help you out. So tribes take us out from sitting in rows to sitting in circles. So the way that we stay small as we grow big. And these are circles of people meeting in homes all across the Lagan Valley area. Circles of people having conversations, praying with one another and trying to figure out How do we follow Jesus better? How do we partner with him in our everyday, ordinary context? And so today, as we come to the end of this We Are series of unpacking the values and the heart behind why we do tribes, I really do hope that by the end of today, you realize the importance of having community in your life, people that you can do life with. So if you're taking notes this morning, the final part in this series is called We Are Family, hence why we were listening to Sister Sledge as I was getting ready to come up. So the word family can mean a lot of different things to every individual in the room today. For some of us, that word family brings back fond memories of people that that we live with and that we love, but for some people it's the opposite. Some people, that word is associated with much pain and hurt, something that we would never want to be around or connect to. But whatever it means to you today, I hope that through opening the scriptures and through my words and my thoughts this morning, that I reveal to you and show you that the invitation that God has placed on each one of us today to come be a part of his family and to find community. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump straight in. So why don't you close your eyes. Father God, we thank you that that you are a father who seeks for us all to be in your family, God. Father God, I pray for each individual in the room today, God, wherever we find ourselves around this idea of community and connection and family, Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts and that you would open our ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so right from the very beginning, there was a community, a group of beings that God had existed as a family. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, in the beginning, God. And that word God translated in the original Hebrew language is Elohim, which is a plural definition for the word God, pointing towards a community, pointing towards a group of beings, a family, the Trinity, the Godhead. And this still um, is today, but it was um, a kind of tricky concept and idea for us to wrap our heads around the Trinity. So years and years and years ago, there was these guys called the Church Fathers, and they came up with this word to help us wrap our heads around and understand this concept of the Trinity. And they came up with the word perichrosis. Don't worry, I'll not make you say that this morning, but I'm going to give you the definition of that, and hopefully it will help you. It is this, the eternal dance of the Trinity, deep oneness, perfect belonging, perfect love and a measurable delight and joy in relationship. Baxter Kruger, who is a famous theologian around the doctrine of the Trinity, also said this. The truth is God is a circle of passion and life and fellowship 
The Trinity is the most beautiful doctrine in the Christian faith. What the doctrine of the Trinity is telling us is that God is fundamentally a relational being. Fellowship, togetherness, communion have always been at the center of the very being of God and always will be. The Father, the Son, and Spirit live in conversation in a fellowship of free-flowing togetherness and sharing and delight. A great dance of shared life that is full and rich and passionate, creative and good and beautiful. So we see right at the start, family the scriptures point out to us in the Trinity, in the Godhead. We also see God's desire for us to dwell in community spill out in the rest of the book of Genesis, in the creation story, okay? So I'm going to need some participation from you guys this morning. Are you up for that? All right, two of you. Great, come on. So God created the heavens and the earth, and he said it was... All right. He then separated the day from the night, and he said it was. He then separated the land from the sea, and he said it was. He then made the living creatures to swim in the water and to fly in the sky, and he said it was. All right. So it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. But then we see God for the first time in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, say the complete opposite, and he said this. It is not good for man to live alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And here, once again, we see God's nature spilling out that it was his original design that we would live and exist in the context of community. You see, we were created by relationship for relationship. Okay, if you've got your Bibles Um, Or if you don't, don't worry, there'll be one on your seat. You want to turn to the book of Acts. And if there's a Bible not nearby, don't worry, we'll have it up on the screen. Jackie's on it this morning, straight in, come on. (laughs) So, okay, let's read this together. So, chapter 2, verse 1 says this. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. And then jump to verse 41. It says this. Oh, Jackie, you're leaving me hanging. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So let me fill you in on what's happening here, okay? So this was happening in the time period um, that was called Pentecost which was when every Jew was required to come to Jerusalem to celebrate this Jewish festival. So all these people would have been in Jerusalem, and it's at this time God decides to pour out his Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the 120 believers that were there, they begin to speak in tongues and in other languages. And these other languages would have been the native languages of all these different people that had came from different places and different countries. They would have got to hear the gospel message in their language for the first time. And the Bible tells us that 3,000 people were added to their day, to their, their, their numbers that day which means this relatively small church of 120 people in one day grew to being over the size of 3,000. Okay, let's move on. Verse 42 says this. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right. Family. The Trinity. Godhead. Community. Acts to the early church. A tight-knit group of people sharing in sorrows and joys. How does that happen? How does that happen? What does that look like? What does that look like here in Lagan Valley Vineyard this morning, you're maybe asking? Surely this is too big. It feels more like a concert than a family. Um, I can't really keep up with knowing everyone. I don't know anyone at all. I haven't spoke to anyone beyond the circle of people that I'm coming with. Well, here in Acts 2, we see the answer when it said this. They committed themselves and devoted themselves to meeting in both the temple courts and from house to house. They devoted and committed themselves to living both in the temple courts and from house to house. The temple courts, for those of you who are wondering what that is, it's kind of like what we're doing today. Temple courts is where they would have came together, they would have worshipped, they would have sang, they would have somebody would have opened the scriptures and and taught and uh, and it. Don't get me wrong, that's an exciting thing, and we love gathering on a Sunday. But if you're just a temple court follower of Jesus, showing up on a Sunday to put in your hour-long service, for most of you that's 50 minutes because you're 10 minutes late. I know, I said it. But if this, folks, is all you do week in, week out, I want to suggest to you something this morning that you're living a diminished experience of what it is to follow Jesus. You see, here's the deal. If you really, truly want to grow and find community and be a part of a family, it's going to be in the dynamic of the house to house. We love um, rows. We love gathering, but we love circles even more. And uh, we want to encourage you guys to engage with tribes this term as we move into that. You see, something began to happen the moment, as we've just looked at, the moment the Holy Spirit was poured out at the birth of the New Testament church. God began to break isolation of people and reintroduce community and family. You see, in the Old Testament, without going into too much detail, um, the temple was divided up into different sections. You would have had a place called the Holy of Holies where only the high priests could go. And then outside of that, you would have had a place for where the priests would have men. Outside of that again, then you would have had a place for the common people where men and women would have met. Men and women didn't worship together, so there would have been separation again. The women would have worshipped with the lepers. Outside of that again, then you would have a court for all the Gentiles. And you can kind of see this picture and this idea that back then there was so much separation and isolation happening. But the bridge and the answer, the solution to changing all of this was Jesus. You see, when he died on the cross and said it was finished, 
and the veil in the temple was torn and the presence of God was made available to all of us, to everyone. So the very act of the cross broke down this division, this partition, this middle wall and barrier. He got rid of it to get rid of separation and to bring people out of isolation and into family. And after this, after Jesus went to the cross and did everything that he did, the early church really does become a beautiful picture of what community and family should look like. The first month or two after the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, as we've just looked at, they begin to meet every day. They're meeting in house to house. They're having meals together. They're sharing with everyone the stuff that they had. They didn't want to see anybody go um, without having. Um, and they were excited to be a part of this new thing that God was building his church. And in that setting of meeting in home to home, you would have had the priest sit down beside a common person. In home to home, in the house to house, you would have had the master sit down beside the servant. You would have had men and women worshipping together. Here we see the walls of isolation being broken down and community and family being built. For some of us, we struggle to understand this idea of isolation because of the age that we're brought up in, the digital age. In our lifetime, we've seen social media grow bigger and bigger. Meanwhile, at the same time, hearing story after story of people becoming more and more lonely. We live in a time where we've never been more connected through Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, fill in the blank, but lacking in community at the same time. This week, I uh, was chatting to my dad about what I was going to be sharing this morning. And I asked him, Dad, what is your kind of measure? What's your metric for real friendship? And he said, son, if somebody will give a day up, they'll come to your house and they'll help you park your car as you move to a new house. That's a sign of a good friend. Me and Hannah are moving house next month. So um, I'll be expecting all of you there. Um, but folks, truly, we can't measure friendship by likes on Facebook or Instagram. We have to measure friendship by doing life on life, meeting with one another and house to house, having meals together, praying for one another. Okay, so I want to land this this morning by giving you three points to remember, and hopefully you'll be able to take this one with you this morning. So if you're taking notes, point number one is this, family requires us to be selfless. Family requires us to be selfless. Um, don't worry about turning there. I'm going to read you a passage from Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 3 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but, re, um, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And as I was reading this passage, I compared it to the message version. And Eugene Peterson puts some of the verses in a really beautiful way. I want to read them out to you. This is kind of a compilation of verse 4, 7, and 8. It says this, Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Verse 7, Jesus, having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Jesus said, if we want to find our lives, we must first lose them. And this is so hard for us to grasp in our ever-increasing narcissistic worldview that makes them makes us the main character in our story and everybody else around us supporting rules. There is an undercurrent, not within this church, but in the church at large that is being influenced by our culture right now that is seeking personal autonomy and is leaving surrender completely out of the equation for how we as Christians should live. But Jesus lived a life that was the antithesis of this. And if we want to think, live, and do life the way Jesus did, we need to pay attention to his selfless kingdom lifestyle that he modeled for us as he walked this earth. We all want to live in a better world, but we don't want it to cost us anything. Here's the easiest way to embody this. Some of that was maybe like totally over your head, narcissistic worldview, blah, 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 fancy words. I was just trying to show off, all right? But in bite-sized, simple form, this is what it means to embody selflessness. How about this? Wake up every morning and ask yourself this question. Who can I help today? Who can I serve today? This is a paradigm shift for many people. Um, But what if we applied this? What would our lives look like? You see, we need to stop thinking what can everyone else do for us and start to think about how can I lay my life down in order to help others? This is so crucial, folks, for community, for this family. And as we move into tribes, we don't want to think about tribes primarily as a place where we go to get, but a place where we go to give. All right, any designated survivor fans in the room? Keith or Sutherland, come on. All right. Well, in the last series, um, they dropped this JFK quote in, and it was this. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Well, here's a JJT quote for you. That's my initials for some of you who don't know. It says this. Ask not what your community, your family, your tribe can do for you, but ask what you can do for your community, your family, and your tribe. This is how we build family, but also how we find family. Don't be one of those people that just talk about yourselves, talk about your own problems. Rather, become the person that embodies the type of community that you're looking for. 
And when you do this, I promise, you won't have to look for family. You won't have to look for community anymore. It will come and find you. That was so good. I'm going to read that again. Are you ready? <laughs> Where will I go from? JJT quote. Here we go. All right. Ask not what your community can do for you or your tribe or your family, but what you can do for your tribe, for your family, for your community. This is how we build family, but also how we find family. And for us, let's not be those people that just talk about ourselves. We're the center stage of our story. We tell everybody just about our problems over and over and over again. But let's be the kind of people that embody the community that we are looking for. Because if we do that, I promise you, you won't have to find, go looking for community any longer. It will come and find you. All right, second point is this, if you're taking notes. Family provides protection. First Peter 5, 8 says this. Stay alert. Everybody say, stay alert. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter here, when he was writing this, knew that the listeners or people who would read this would understand this because they were brought up in a an agricultural society, which was a farming community. And they would have understood this, that when the wolf or the lion came to attack a flock of sheep or a herd of cows, they would never show up, bang smack in the middle. They would always try and isolate. They would always try and lean one of them away outside the realm of protection. I want you to know this morning that there's protection available in family that can't be found anywhere else. My good farmer friend, Adrian Hyde, uh, provided this rope for me this morning. And uh, it's a bit dirty, Adrian. You could have cleaned it for me. <laughs> and uh, in, the, in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a wisest guy in the Bible, Solomon, okay? And he, he shared um, this piece of gold with us in chapter 4, verse 12, when he said this. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a three-strand cord is not easily broken. Okay, so this is a three-strand cord, as you can see. And one strand represents you. And while you're by yourself and you're alone, you're easily, you can be easily attacked, you're vulnerable, and maybe you feel alone. But when we invite God into our life, um, we become stronger. But God doesn't leave us there. He invites us and brings us into family. And uh, like Solomon said, this is the, for us today, this is the strongest way that we can do life with God and with others in the context of family. But we all know that this isn't really how it happens all the time for us. There's days where we wake up and maybe this isn't the current reality that we're living in. And like we've said, the, the enemy comes prowling like a lion to take us out, those who are by themselves. And in order to do this, he'll try to unravel this kind of life, the best kind of life that we have available to us. And you know, as the enemy tries to unravel us, it will start off with, Things like friends letting us down, people not following through on what they said, people lying about us behind our back, whatever that looks like. And then we begin to step 
out of family. And as we begin to step out of community and family, then we begin to lose sight of God because we don't have anybody around us to encourage us, anybody around us to pray for us, to help us keep our attention and eyes fixed on Jesus. So then we lose sight of God. And there we are. We're left alone. We are left by ourselves. And this was God's never intention for us to live in isolation or to be lonely as we've looked at. It was his original design for us to fall in love with him and to live in the context of community. Here at Lagan Valley Vineyard, we want to see you grow in your relationship with God as we build a family where I have your back and you have mine. You see, we become the best version of ourselves when we selflessly do life in community, looking out for one another. Okay, coming into land. Here's my last point. Family never leaves anyone behind. Family never leaves anyone behind. First Samuel tells the story of my favorite character in the Bible, David. And David attracted God's attention at an early age through the climate of his heart, what was going on in here as a young shepherd boy. And God had anointed him at a young age and he had a, an idea and a vision and a picture of what his future could look like. But then tricky and unforeseen circumstances began to take place. And we all know what that feels like, right? As we're doing life and something comes in, a curveball out of nowhere that we never predicted, we never intended on happening, comes out and robs and isolates us from what God has for us in our future. Well, David was experiencing this in the form of a king. And that was King Saul. And King Saul grew to become um, jealous and nervous about David's potential of stepping in and becoming king. So what he did was he released the entire armies of Israel to go after this one guy. So David fled the palace and began to feel disillusioned, defeated, and discouraged. And he ran to a place called Horesh. And Horesh in the original Hebrew language means the woods or the deep forest. And eventually David worked his way through the forest and he arrived at a cave, feeling lost, lonely, and isolated. He'd lost sight and forgot who he was and what God had for him. You see, when pain comes into our life, it will push you into isolation. You will lose focus of who you are and the, the viewpoint of the potential that you have. You forget who you are and you turn into a survivor. But David had a friend who was more like a brother. He was the eldest son of King Saul and his name was Jonathan. And Jonathan heard about David's situation and what was happening and he left to go and find him. He left to go and bring him home. And this, folks, is what family and community will do. It will cause people to have a love for you that when you are broken and when you are hurting, they will come into that cave and they will find you. We all need friends who will call us when they haven't seen us in a while. We all need friends who... Um, when we maybe lost a loved one, will come and throw an arm around us and ask what they can do to help. I'm only 27. I've been around church my whole life. And I've bumped into this thing a ton of times where 
people come along for a while and they say things like, well, you know, nobody cares about me at that place. Nobody talks to me. Nobody asks me how I am. Nobody even would notice if I wasn't here. And they get disillusioned, these kinds of people, about community and church. But remember what we read in the book of Acts. You see, maybe you've been showing up to the temple courts. Maybe you've been showing up here on a Sunday morning. But are you actually in community? Have you joined a tribe what does that look like for you? Because you see, when you walk in community and you're part of a family, when you find yourself in a cave, here's what happens. The people that you're doing life with, like a Jonathan, will come and find you in the circumstances that none of us have the ability to get out of ourselves, and they will help us and they will find us. Our culture has told us that, that independence leads to strength, but that is a lie. Interdependence leads us to strength. And interdependence is just a fancy way of saying that I need you and you need me. You don't have to have it all together all the time. You don't have to be strong all the time. But when you are in community and find family, you can lean on those around you to find strength. Okay, so imagine this. Jonathan hears about David and he gets on his horse and he sets off. And he arrives at the forest of Haresh. And he begins to shout out, David, David, where are you? David, my friend, where are you? And he hears nothing. And he begins to make his way through the forest. And he gets to the other side of the forest. And he begins to cry out, David, David, my brother, where are you? And he hears a faint whisper, I'm over here. Jonathan jumps off his horse. He runs over and he finds David lying on a cave. He picks him up and he embraces him and he gives him a hug. And he stands him to his feet. He puts his hands on his shoulders and he looks him in the eye and tells him, David, this is not the way this will end for you. I will be by your side and you will be the king of Israel. When you've given up on the journey ahead, folks, and you've drifted into isolation, let me remind you this morning, community will come and find you. Some of you feel like David this morning and you need a Jonathan in your life to tell you that this is not the way it's going to end for you. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Come on, let me put my arm around you and take you out of the cave and bring you back into community. Some of you are on that track today and like we've looked at, you're slowly being unraveled. Let me be Jonathan to you this morning and tell you to stop, turn around, Come to the table. Come and be a part of this family that God is building, his church. There is a place for you. I'm going to land this this morning with a question for you all. What step do I need to take? What step do you need to take in order to be a part of family and community? There's some people here this morning who feel like David and need to take one step towards community. For some of you, that might look like joining a tribe, and I couldn't encourage you enough to do that. For some of you, that might look like um, making a phone call to somebody who you've maybe fallen out with. It's maybe something you need to deal with and forgive the other person and make one step again towards reconciliation and finding family so that you can put your roots down deep into 
some sort of aspect or some sort of idea or some sort of place where you can find community and finally become a part of God's family and live the life that he has for you. Also, some of you have been sitting here this morning thinking to yourself, well, you know what, James, this really isn't for me. You know, I've, I've already got my, my friends, got a bunch of people that I do life with. I'm pretty content. I'm actually, a, that works for me, you know. Can I urge you all, please don't settle for convenience and for a comfortable life where you are the center stage of your story. You see, you may feel like you don't need a tribe, but what if tribes needed you? You see, there are so many people who are lost and lonely like David, but they need a Jonathan to come into their life, their circumstance, their situation, to bring them out of the cave and back into community. I'm pretty sure Jonathan asked himself that question that we looked at earlier on, woke up every morning and said, who can I help today? Who can I serve? Who can I help today? And if you feel like you've been challenged by the life of Jonathan in this story, I want to ask you, I want to pray for you this morning that God would, would open your eyes and that he would open your ears to see and hear the lost and the lonely people that are around you in your world. So to close this morning, I'm going to invite the guys to come up and we're going to sing a song. And it's called Come Out of Hiding. The song was written and sang in first person. So it's kind of like God singing the song over us. And for those of you who feel like David this morning, let this song be a reminder of how much he loves you and how much he wants you to come back home, how much he wants you to come back to community, how much he wants you to come back to family. And for those of you who feel like Jonathan this morning, I want to encourage you to agree in your spirit and to sing this song over this community and over our city. And sometimes when we do these things, like I'm, I'm kind of in those rooms all the time where like we're singing songs and we're singing all over the city and, and it's really encouraging and we all get passionate about it. But sometimes it's a bit of a faceless exercise and we kind of don't really know what, who we're singing it over. You know, there's loads of people in this room today that need you to be there, Jonathan. There's loads of people in this room today and in your world and in your workplace and in your school that need you to be Jonathan, need you to be the invitation that they need to invite them to come and find family, to come and find a place at the table, to come and experience the best life that God has for them in the context of community. So I'm going to pray and these guys are going to sing this song. And, and, and then we'll get up and I'll, I'll pray for us to close. So why don't you go ahead and close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. We welcome you here. God, I thank you that you meet us where we are. God, I pray for anybody who feels like they've lost their way, that they've found themselves somehow, they don't even know how, but they've found themselves in that cave of isolation. God, I pray today that you would amplify your voice in their life. God, I pray that you would send a Jonathan into their life this morning, God. God, I pray for everybody here today that they would know that there is a place for them at the table. There is a place for them in this family that God is building his church.
So Holy Spirit, would you come and let this song touch our hearts and inspire us this morning. In Jesus' name.
You know, there's some of us here this morning who have disqualified themselves for whatever reason of coming back and stepping into community. Some of us here this morning that need to know that you can belong here way before that you believe or behave the right way. God's family is diverse. We welcome people from all walks. I feel like there's potentially somebody here this morning as well that as we've been talking about this idea of family. For some of us this morning, there's actually a text or a phone call that needs to take place with an immediate family member. It's a sister or a brother, mother or father, son or a daughter that you know the relationship and the connection hasn't been quite right for some time. The Lord's inviting you today to go and make amends. There's reconciliation available this morning. So why don't you close your eyes, put your hand on your heart. I'm going to pray for us this morning as we close. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our best friend, that you meet us where we are. God, I pray for everybody in this today. God, I pray and I commission each one of us in the power of the Holy Spirit to be a Jonathan to a broken and a lonely and an isolated city, Lord. I pray for those that find themselves in the cave, Lord, that you would amplify your voice today, God, that we would be your messengers of hope and life and love in a city that needs it so badly, God. And would you come and highlight those people to us right now, Lord? Maybe we already know who they are, but God, would you come and highlight them today? Come and highlight them, Lord. And we want to have the courage and the confidence, Lord, to be a Jonathan and step into those caves and find those people, God, and be the invitation that they need back into family, back into community, back into the best and original design that you have for us your family, the church. God, we are so sorry for when we've got this wrong and we have settled for a convenient and comfortable lifestyle. Oh God, would you forgive us for that? God, we lay our lives down once again. We want to live a selfless life, the kingdom lifestyle, Jesus, that you modeled for us as you walk this earth. God, help us be a people that wake up in the morning and ask, who can I help today? Who can I help to get ahead today? So Holy Spirit, I commission us all in the power that you bring. Give us eyes to see people on the fringes of community, Lord, and give us courage and boldness to be that person, that messenger of hope and of love. Thank you for everything that you're doing in this community, God. And we are so hungry for the more that you have. In your precious name, we pray all of this. Amen. Amen.